Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. And if you just read you, this is a test transmission. It opens a new and, I think, exciting chapter in the story of radio. This is going to be a service to provide a tremendous amount of information and satisfy a lot of different interests. I was always itching to shake it during a program. In the air, on the river and underground. We hope very much that uh, Derek can hear us. Can you hear us? From Resonance 104.4 FM and social broadcasts, this is Transmitter, bringing you original sounds, new voices and archive treasures from radio broadcasts, podcasts and sound art across the globe. I'm Lucia Scadzocchio and I'll be scanning the digital soundscape to cut through the noise. We will continue on our conversation theme that we've been exploring all year with a short clip from a conversation recorded at the Dalston Eastern Curve Garden in September when we were able to meet in person and to record a radio show outdoors after many months of hosting the intergenerational remote radio that I've been facilitating online. But before that, I'd like to introduce a new audio experiment that I've been dabbling with called Levitation. It's an immersive radiophonic mix of music, found sounds and original recordings. The theme is blackout. We've all been grappling around in the dark somewhat recently and hopefully there is a glimmer of light on the horizon. A radio broadcast that you can dance to or a DJ mix for meditation. This is Levitation. Do not listen to this recording while driving or operating machinery. Thank you. Guided meditation, also known as the out of body experience. Now, before we get started, it's important to know you're not asleep or unconscious, you're actually very aware of your surroundings and you can't be forced to do anything anything that's against your will so don't worry about outside sounds or distractions because you'll soon be able to relax completely and you can actually use those outside sounds deep in your trance. And you're always the one to control. And you can accept or reject the suggestions as you wish. And don't worry 
if your mind drifts off, because you'll still gain the benefits from the suggestions. And when you find yourself focused on other thoughts, don't worry about getting it or doing it right. Just allow yourself to feel comfortable and relaxed. 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 Citrullus mixture and capsule. I looked outside and everything was whack. Um, I might highlight part of an elephant, but then I'll take uh, the picture further. So that it's not an elephant, that it blends into something else.
anxious to get home before darkness falls, before our nightly visitors arrive. This is the London rush hour. These men and women who have worked all day in offices or in markets are now hurrying home to change into the uniform of their particular service. The dusk is deepening. Listening crews are posted all the way from the coast to London. Soon the nightly battle of London will be on. This has been a quiet day for us, but it won't be a quiet night. They'll be over tonight. They'll destroy a few buildings and kill a few people. Now they're going into the public shelters. This is not a pleasant way to spend the night, but the people accept it as their part in the defense of London. These civilians are good soldiers. Now it's eight o'clock. The searchlights are in position. The guns are ready. The People's Army of Volunteers is ready. They are the ones who are really fighting this war. The firemen, the air raid wardens, the ambulance drivers, and there's the wail of the banshee. The nightly siege of London has begun. The city is dressed for battle.
Can he get up from the floor after being knocked down? London does this every morning. London doesn't look down upon the ruins of its houses, upon those made homeless during the night, upon the remains of churches, hospitals, workers' flats. London looks upwards toward the dawn and faces the new day with calmness and confidence. London manages to get to work on time, one way or another. Dad used to run the hideaway, which was the basement part of the club, and he used to prepare all the food, buy all the drinks, and he used to play music, he used to DJ and stuff. And I used to be the little one helping out. And um, so it, for me, it was just like, that was just part of my life, that was just a normal day-to-day, -day, you know, weekends I'd help out my, my dad doing that. Yeah, good, good times, those times, the 80s, because I grew up in Hackney, grew up in Stanford Hill, went to school in Stoke Newington, and um, I used to hang around in, in Dalston and Carriage Court, my friends down there. There used to be like little places to skate, like in Shackerwell Lane, there was like a, a ramp, we call it the squatter's ramp, um, yeah, the massive ramp in one of those big old houses on the curve of the uh, Shackerwell Lane, and we used to skate there. So, you know, stomping grounds really, like around Dalston, Hackney, Sandringham Road, I remember that well. Um, they used to call the front line. <laughs> um, always used to be down there with my dad as well. So, you know, different times then. And, uh, for me, they're like, vivid, happy memories, really. Um, and, you know, it's changed a lot. And, you know, it's still, still a nice area. I still like Dawson and stuff, but it's just it's different now. Um, 
it's interesting being there in sort of two different eras in a, in a way, you know. I think it was in 95 and 96 that my friends, skater friends of mine were like, oh yeah, we're going to go to this rave labyrinth in Dalston. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. And then I was like, I, I know that place. I've been there before. I know the venue. I know the guy who runs it. And I'm like, no, you don't. It costs 15 quid to get in. You better have your money. And I'm like, yeah, you watch. When we get down there, I'll just walk in. And I remember that. Got down there and went straight to the front of the queue. The buzzer was still on the door. And I hit the buzzer. There's a camera, because there's a ca you always had cameras. It's me, do you remember? Glenn's son, you know, Winston. And he was like, Winston? Yeah, man. And then I went straight in, and I went straight, like, through the club, straight through the door by the stage, into his, his little quarters, his, his house, which is kind of like a labyrinth. And left my friends who were in a queue, which was halfway down the Dawson Lane, at the end of Dawson Lane. I think, yeah, I mean, the end of the club for all of us was quite devastating in 99 um, when it actually ended because we fought to save it for about a year and a half with uh, the community that was trying to save Dorster Lane and save, like, heritage and things like that. So um, we all teamed up together and we worked together on fighting that cause and we almost won, but it got overturned by the council and it's become the Dorston Library and, and the apartments it is, it is now. Sleep as we speak. Listen to the drums beat as we speak. In our sleep as we speak. Listen to the drums beat in our sleep. As we speak, listen to the drums beat. As we speak, as we speak, in our sleep, listen to the drums beat. In our sleep, in our sleep, as we speak, listen to the drums beat. As we speak. In our sleep, as we speak, listen to the drums beat. In our sleep, in our sleep, where we meet.
Betty, who, who actually slept in the same cabin as I did, and our cabin was in Woven Abbey. We worked in Bletchley, but our home where we actually lived was Woven Abbey. So we slept in the same cabin, Rodney Nine, and we, we, we slept there and we didn't meet again until 70 years after. We said goodbye when, when the Germans war finished. We all parted. We said goodbye, I expect. And we didn't meet again for 70 years. Did you recognise each other? No. Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was very slender now and thing. We've changed. Betty's still beautiful, isn't she? Oh, You're both very elegant. <laughs> I hope all this doesn't go down. <laughs> no, we've had a wonderful time. And what did you do afterwards? What did you do when you finished? I went back to the same office I'd left, and I couldn't tell anybody what I'd done, what happened in those three years in between. Just worked in the in the rents. Nobody seemed to question somehow. You you just say, oh I, yes, yes I left oh, after that. Well, that's true. I I left um, uh, Woburn. Was sent out then to learn a new skill. That again had a code I had to learn. That was meteorology. Yes, I've forgotten that part of my life. Oh, after that, after I left Betty, you'd have died, Betty. After I left Betty, I went out to Scotland. I became a meteorologist. I then had to go out day in, day out, in a little aeroplane, little where I sat with the pilot in the front. I don't know what they called them, barracudas or something. I've got no. I piled go up in the aircraft measuring cloud heights. When I was at school and we had geography, Mum always said that's cumulus. You knew the shapes of the clouds. I said, oh, yes, alto cumulus and macrolatus. I left you, I had to learn again. I had nothing to do. <laughs> what happened to you then? Yeah, that's what, what, what happened to you. My future is uh, confidential. Confidential? <laughs> <laughs> but since then, I said 70 years. Unless you didn't know all about me flying up in the air, but nobody knew. Couldn't tell anybody what I've been doing in the meantime. <laughs> did, did anyone want to know? <laughs> <laughs> did anybody want to know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that will fascinate you, Betty, in time to come, won't it? When you think of my mother in a little, little plane. I was actually helping to train pilots to land on that landing craft. They were going out. They were going out east with that landing. Did you put your parachute on? <laughs> no! No, but Betty, I, I, bet, I remember telling my, my Wren friend, I had a little Wren, I didn't know a lot about you, but my Wren friend, I did, I did offer her she could have my favourite jumper if I didn't come back. I had a nice jumper. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
number of impersonal forces which are pushing in the direction of less and less freedom. There are a number of technological devices which anybody who wishes to use can use to accelerate this process of going away from freedom, imposing control. I mean, let us uh, take, uh, after all, these are very recent and very painful histories, the uh, propaganda used by Hitler, which was incredibly effective. I mean, that, what were Hitler's methods? Hitler used terror on the one kind, brute force on the one hand, but he also used a very efficient uh, form of, uh, of propaganda, which uh, uh, he was using every modern device at that time. He didn't have TV, but he had the, the radio, which he used to the fullest extent. It's not being used in this way now, but uh, I, I, the point is, it seems to me, that there are, are methods at present available, methods superior in some respects to, to Hitler's method, which could be used in a bad situation. I mean, I, what I feel very strongly is that we mustn't be caught by surprise by our own advancing technology. This has happened again and again in history. Technology has advanced, and this changes social conditions. I mean, what does a democracy depend on? A democracy depends on the individual voter making an intelligent and rational choice for what he regards as his enlightened self-interest in any given circumstance. But what these people are doing, I mean, what both 
for their particular purposes, the selling goods, and the dictatorial um, propagandists are doing, is to try to bypass the rational side of man and to appeal directly to these unconscious forces below the surface, so that you are, in a way, making nonsense of the whole democratic procedure, which is based on conscious choice, of, on rational grounds. Eventually, the past will connect into the future. The future. The future. That which we believe will cause it to end will be the behavior of our fantastic star, the sun. It has been in existence some five and a half billion years, living the way it is now as a beautiful golden light, slowly coursing across the daylight from east to west. It will stay that way for another five billion years or so. And then the nuclear fuel within its heart, way deep inside, will begin to burn out. So our star, which is golden yellow today, will become orange and red as it expands and expands. And it will reach out all the way to the orbit of Mercury and swallow Mercury up, and eventually out to the orbit of Venus and swallow Venus up, and eventually out to the orbit of Earth and swallow the Earth and the Moon, and the Earth will die. At the end, there will be nothing. There will be no atoms, no molecules, no subatomic particles, no thing at all, nothing at the end. At the end, there will be nothing, nothing at the end. At the end, there will be nothing, nothing at the end. At the end, there will be nothing, nothing at the end.
did I last have fun? Now that's the million dollar question. When I was a young boy, I presume, you know, if you're flying a kite. I would love to do that again. I like simple things. I used to make, make my own kites and things like that. When did I last have fun? Mm. 60 years ago? If that is the case, why this uh, sort of depressive uh, attitude to life? When did I last have fun? That's the million dollar question.
The conversation is already flowing. <laughs> We've started. Um, I'm just going to give us a bit of context. So, um, 
people understand where we are and what a wonderful setting we're in. We're in the uh, Dalston Eastern Curve Garden. They've invited us to come and use the garden and it's a beautiful day and it's just lovely to be in amongst the trees and just be outside and be able to do this radio show outside. So I'm really pleased that we're able to do that. And it's just so lovely to see you all for real, not on a screen because, you know, I'm so sick of screens. So, Antonia, why don't you start? I'm Antonia. It's nice to be back. The beautiful, the ambience is so lovely. I, you know, it's really good to be Actual, not virtual, you know, because that was really something that I hope it doesn't come back again. Anyway, it's nice to be back in our natural habitat, I call it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm I'm Sasha and I uh, completely, I think Antonia said it best, it's the actual rather than the virtual, which is, I feel like we all knew that deep down, but like actually having to be virtual for six months mm. has made everyone so appreciative of being yeah. with real people. <laughs> oh hi, my name's Hyacinth. I'm actually just really glad to just be amongst friends, well, new and older actually, because um, yeah, it's just been a very interesting time, but actually just sitting in nature now to record this, I'm just looking forward to it. Thank you. And I'm Lucia and I'm hosting this and I'm so pleased that you're all here. I really am. It's just delightful. We've kind of already started the conversation, so I I guess we just keep going. So, Antonia, just keep going. So now that you're kind of living on your own. Yes. What are you doing with your days? Like, how are you occupying yourself? You see, I think I'm so blessed. You know, I didn't tell anybody, only one friend I said, do you know Mia has moved up? He said, what are you doing? Do you want me to come? I said, no, I like my new, you know, uh, norm. If you want to, the new normal, I like it. At this moment of time, I'm feeling really, really good. But then somebody phoned me. I do not know how to use my Zoom and I want to be in this workshop. Can you come? So. Things are coming in, uh, people are coming and connecting. My older friends, you know, they are coming to say, can we do this? I say, well, we can. To certain extent, we can go to the park. Or if it's only one, when you come, we open the garden door and we can. Yesterday, uh, somebody came in. She's 80, 89, actually. And she said she wanted to do uh, bread pudding, the British way i wish she could have i would have invited her to come and tell you and then she i said do not bring anything i've got some stale bread in in my freezer he said no 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 i bring my own thing then she came she had two bags you know and a trolley <laughs> and then she brought two loaves of bread and she bought this this trickle that has been i'm sure is about I won't be my age. It has been in her cupboard for a long, long time. I don't think she would mind telling me, telling you that. And then she brought that and she put all the things on the table. And she said, no, no, put your own things away and, and we use mine. As I gave her a bowl. I said, look, I bought my own bread, but let us just concentrate on you. So I, I took, he said, no, no recipe, no recipe book. 
So she put the bread, she put the milk, she brought everything. And then she put the uh, fruit and, and she said, oh, I forgot butter. I said, yeah, I've got butter. So I gave it to her, she put it. And we sat down there, we put it in the oven and we were just talking. We talk about, because she used to foster kids, you know, uh, learning disability. And she, she just poured herself. It's, it's easy, you know, I find communication much, much easier, you know, when... Mm. when In real life. Y- yes. We, you know, when you're one-to-one with somebody and, and you just, she poured her, her heart out and I poured my heart. Mm. And we, we sang for, uh, while we were waiting for the bread pudding. Then she said, look at the bread pudding. I look. I could see that it's not dry, it's not ready. He said, ah, this one is ready. So I cut a little bit. She's munching. She said, do you want? I said, no, I need to make sure that it's cooked. Anyway, we cooked, we finished because I had a Zoom at six o'clock. And this was about uh, uh, maybe uh, 15 minutes past five. So she said, oh, I, I said, don't rush. While we were doing when I went out to get something before she came, I put my rice in, in, in the oven. I've never done brown rice in the oven. The oven. So I, I, I put... How do, you, what do you, how do you put rice in the oven? How does oh, it work? It's, it's, it's beautiful. I've I just I, I wash no. it and I, I put it in, 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 a, in a dish. Hot water. I put some hot water in it. If it's one cup of rice, you need about maybe in a, 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 a one and a half cup of water because you don't want it to be soggy, right? But you could put less in it before, if so, it's So how is dry. it different? How is it different oh, to... Oh, it's beautiful. I didn't do anything to it. I just left it. When mm. I came back, it was still al dente. You mean it has right. a bite in it and it was beautiful. So I just did my broccoli and my carrots. I said, we are having lunch. He said, oh, but I have to, I said, look, this is my time of, you know, it's even too late for me to be eating. So we sat down. And you know what we had for our protein? A tin of pilchards. It's got tomato in it and some chili. With the rice? For, for your, With for the your rice. Dessert. Oh, okay. Wow. Rice, we put the rice, we put the pilchai on top of it, and we had broccoli and, and mm, carrots as our veg. And it was so lovely. Then she said, I go back to my bread pudding. I say, you can do that now. We, yeah. where, where is it? Oh, yeah. oh, I yeah, you, oh, you oh. No, I left, I, left her, I let her take it home uh. because she left me two pieces. Okay. I'm Lucy Skadzokyo, and you've been listening to Transmitter, a social broadcast production. All the details of what you've heard will be available on the transmitter tab of socialbroadcasts.co.uk where you can also subscribe to our newsletter. I'll be back with more audio, radio and podcast discoveries in February. And if you have any recommendations, please do drop me a line via the website. Until then, happy holidays, stay safe and there's plenty more audio to come in 2021.